Ag State of Mind, episode 155. Today's episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast is brought to you by Douglas Plant Health. To unharness your soil's fertility and maximize yield, consider Douglas Plant Health. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now, here's your host, Jason Meadows. For three decades, U.S. farmers, largely organic, have increased yield with the help of SP1 Classic. As fertilizer costs soar and supply chain challenges loom, DPH Biologicals is expanding access to this trusted biofertilizer to the conventional acre. With TerraTrobe SP1 Classic, the complete biofertilizer, growers can replace up to 50% of starter fertilizer. Visit dphbio.com to reclaim soil fertility. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, as always, Jason Meadows, and today I have a return guest. Macy Hurst has been on this podcast. It's been quite a while now, probably almost, oh gosh, maybe almost three years. You were very early on in the podcast, and a lot's changed for you since then. I know you've had a couple of different jobs and a couple of different things go on in your life. So, uh, Macy, I appreciate you joining me to kind of chat about your journey and uh, give us a little update on what's going on. Yeah, Jason, thanks for having me again. You're right. A lot has changed for me, but it's been a ton of fun to see what all has changed for you in the last few years of the podcast. And how many people you have kind of captured the attention of and spread the message of rural mental health. And I think that's really cool. So it's been a pleasure to be a part of that. So yeah, things have been crazy, but in a, in a very good way, I'm super blessed. I think last time we talked, I want to say I was at the department of agriculture and I went from there to Missouri Cattlemen's Association. And now I actually work for a print company called Modern Litho out of Jefferson City. We print for people all across the country, but we have a really big customer base in agriculture and kind of Western lifestyle. And so they hired me because those are my people. So that's been a ton of fun, something that I didn't at all expect to ever end up in or to like much less love as much as I do. And I think the people I work with have a huge impact on that. And then of course I am still running cattle with my mom and little sister, Emma and Stacy. And we have lady livestock company and loving that trying to, it's so interesting to be in the beef cattle industry, which you're very familiar with Jason, um, trying to, you know, just do our best to keep taking care of those animals and the land and grow while we're all um, working full time. You know, my mom, Stacy works and my sister, Emma is a student at the university of Missouri, which I try not to hold against her as a graduate. <laughs> so we get into it at the house sometimes. And my mom just says, all right, my little cubs calm down her tiger cub and her bear. Cub. So, <laughs> but yeah, life has been really good. Um, had a lot go on since we last talked, which has kind of sent my mental health journey and, uh, really, kind of 
different, but really fulfilling direction. So, um, you know, I felt like for a long time talking about mental health, I was kind of a hypocrite because I hadn't really struggled with it. And I feel like I earned my right over the last couple of years. So yeah, no, I'm sure we could talk forever and ever about, and we do often um, running into you at different events. And so, right. I know you're probably of, of anybody that's been on the podcast. I've probably seen you in person more than anybody. So I'm sad. I don't see you as much with now that you're not with MCA anymore. I was very understanding, but, but dip, disappointed for my own reasons <laughs> with, with that decision that you made. But it, so is like this, this print company, are they like, do they distribute catalogs, like sale catalogs, that sort of thing? So we really do it all. I mean, okay. we have signs and banner shop. We have a custom like commercial kind of almost more locally based. And then the plant that I work out of. So we've got two locations in Jeff city, one in Kansas city, one in St. Louis. Okay. And the one work out of is in Jefferson city, but we print for people nationwide. So actually the reason that I kind of ended up here is because when I was at Missouri Cattlemen's Association editing the magazine, I was a customer and just got mm. really close. Kind of um, fell in love with the whole structure of the company, their family owned. I mean, I'm two doors down from the owner and they all still work there on, on location and super strong Christian family. And I just love being a part of what they have going on. But yeah, I mean, we do sale catalogs. We do national magazines, have a lot of nonprofit organizations. Like I said, they hired me specifically to kind of focus on that ag realm because there are so many breed magazines and Western lifestyle magazines and commercial work and postcards. You know, if you're having a bull sale, you're probably printing catalogs. You might be sending postcards. You might be printing flyers, whatever that looks like. I mean, we do little bitty everything from business cards to, you know, 10,000 monthly magazine, you know, so it's been a lot of fun to learn that I knew nothing about it going into it, but it's been seven months now. And I have been so, so blessed by the transition. Awesome. That's, I'm, I'm so happy for you. That's, uh, and it's again, and it's still to be able to do that and have that still connection so close to agriculture. And I think there's so many things that you wouldn't even like consider that still give you a connection to the ag industry, like printing catalogs. I mean, that's not even something I even would, would even think about or magazines or whatever, you know, I, I, I never even thought of that as being something how you could be kind of in a different industry, but still super, super connected to ag. And that's, that's really, that's incredible. Yeah. Thanks. It's, it was kind of a fun thing for me to learn too. Cause I'll be honest, whenever they offered me the job, I kind of had this identity crisis <laughs> where mm. I was like, I'm an ag girl, you know? And so it was hard for me to give up that kind of my identity. And that's something that I tie really closely to my um, like relationship with God too, is making sure that I find my identity in the, in the right things, namely God, <laughs> but also just because I find so much of who I am in my work and I'm so career centric. And that was something that was really hard for me to initially process whenever that became an option. And then just to realize that I'm still working with the same people. I'm so, still serving the ag industry and I still get to keep my ties to production ag with lady livestock company. Sure. So then yeah, a fun thing to learn from this side too. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of the reason we had this return type, 
episode here is kind of send out these I like to send out these feeler tweets when I'm talking about a certain thing. We have a certain topic in mind. And uh, lately it's been faith as it re- as it relates to our mental health. And you know, I've had some really great people on to talk about that. I've had Shannon Farrell from you know, uh, Oklahoma State. I've had Ganalyn Condi, who's one of my favorite podcast hosts. And uh, you answered that tweet as well. And you wanted to be a part of this conversation. So I appreciate you answering that. And obviously I'm very interested and anxious to hear what you have to say about it. Yeah, when I saw that, I was pretty excited to hear that it was something you were talking about, because I know your faith is really important to you. And I love that that's not a secret. And Mm -hmm. I hope that my faith comes across the same way. It's something that I love to talk about. And I think has a really important tie to mental health. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it can be hard to like, for some reason, it seems like it can be hard to tie them together. But I mean, once you really get down to the the actual nuts and bolts of it, I mean, it's probably uh, the thing they're they're so closely related. Yeah, I think that mental health and spiritual health are so closely tied because in a lot of ways they're both intangible but so so real at the same time. And so I think that's an interesting correlation and also I think if you invest in your spiritual health, it pays off in your mental health. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's, what's kind of happened? I mean, obviously, I mean, I can relate to having a lot of life changes in a short amount of time, especially when you're young, especially, I mean, you've haven't been out of college super long. So, I mean, a lot of, a lot of things have changed for you over the last five years, I should say, probably, I could probably say, but what, as comfortable as you are sharing, you know, what, what has happened and what, how has your faith been put to the test and, and grown? Yeah. So over the last couple of years, well, like you said, over even the last five years, a lot of things have changed. And I think that's not uncommon for, you know, my, my age group, I'm 24. So in the last five years, you know, I've moved away from home went to college, graduated, got my first job, then second job, then my third job, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then bought a house, moved out, lived on my own for the first time. All of those things take so much. I mean, it it can take a toll on your mental health. It can also be a huge boost. So, you know, like for example, when I was living on my own, I loved living on my own. However, I am 100% an extrovert. I have to have community and I have a great family, you know, my mom and sister, I'm really close with and my sister's now fiance. And, and so I have that community, but being completely without community in my own home felt kind of weird. Um, but at the same time, buying a house at, uh, you know, a young age as a single young woman was one of the most empowering things I've ever done. And so it's being in your young twenties is such an interesting thing. And again, it's got so many perks and so many, um, uh, kind of things to overcome. Um, But yeah, like probably two years ago now, there was just a lot going on in my life. There were a lot of really key players that were making their way out. And over the last really five to 10 years, I've lost some people that were really influential in my life. And so going through that, and then my mom and I started fostering and there was some stuff going on with some of the, the kids that we were fostering and I was moving out. 
and then I got COVID. And so I was completely isolated for two weeks while that was all going on. And then I was also making a career change, um, living on my own again for the first time. And so it was just a lot kind of happening at one time. And it kind of broke me to be mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. honest. And I'm one of those people who I tell everyone to be in therapy. And to be honest, I wasn't in therapy at the time. I wasn't even in therapy last time we talked whenever I was pushing therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. I'm also one of those people who's like, I'm going to fix it myself and then I'll go get therapy so that I can take credit for, you know, overcoming it. Well, mm-hmm. it got to the point to where my grandpa, who I was super, super close with, uh, he was living in Florida and he called me and he said, Mace, I want you to go see someone and I want to pay for it. And I even, he's like, I'm going to recommend you to my, my therapist. And that blew my mind because my grandpa's the kind of person who I never would have thought was in therapy, but he was a, not only in it, but B so pleased with his experience, such a big fan of it that he was, he was recommending and supporting me through that. So I finally went back to therapy. My, my family had kind of I'd been in it once or twice before when I was a kid, I like did not sleep at all. And so they mm-hmm. took me once and I, so I never mm-hmm. went back looking back. It was like textbook anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because of my family situation, when I was in high school, uh, my parents got divorced and it was so brutal. I think the court actually uh, recommended that us kids be in therapy. And again, went one time, hated the therapist, never mm-hmm. went back. Mm-hmm. Until this past couple years, I hadn't been in therapy. And so I went and I absolutely loved it. And it's so nice, I think, to I just describe it as like just saying all of the things, you know, all of your thoughts, all of your feelings, all of your insecurities, all of your fears, and just having somebody digest it and feed it back to you in a way that is so much less overwhelming. And so it was a huge help for me. And it was kind of interesting too, because so much of what I was going through was tied to things that I went through 15 years ago that I had never addressed because they hadn't really popped back up yet. And so we got to kind of break down those things and then rebuild them back up in a way that A, I understood and B, made me feel more powerful because of it. So yeah, super pleased with all of that. And it was one of those things where at the time I was pretty miserable. And I always, again, talked about mental health, advocated for therapy, but I never really understood, you know, when people talked like they were in this place, this dark place they couldn't get out of. And when I was in that, I mean, I think I was very, very fortunate that it wasn't, it it didn't get terrible, but I was in a place where I was like, I really do not like how my life is going right now. And so it made me feel a lot of empathy for, for people who are going through that and have gone through that. And it also taught me that, you know, I think a lot of times we think like, Oh, something happened in my life. It hurt. I'm going to fix it. And then I'm going to be fine. When in reality, like mental health is an ever evolving thing and it's not a quick fix. You have to tend to it and you have to invest in it. And um, that was a really important lesson for me to learn too. Yeah. Well, you're, I mean, first of all, good for you for going and doing what needed to be done. And how incredible that your grandpa, how old your grandpa? He would have been in his mid eighties. He actually 
um, which was another kind of rough spot for me last year when I was going through another career change, another really like shifting uh, of people like the key players in my life. And then my grandpa died uh, Mm. just for a year ago. And so that was another point, but because he was so supportive and because he'd gotten me in therapy and all of that, like I felt way more equipped to handle mm-hmm. that, that. And so, but yeah, like if you would have met him, you would have never guessed. I mean, he was always the funniest guy in the room. This is my mom's dad. So funniest mm-hmm. guy, like very had to have the best of everything. He, everybody in Jefferson city knows this man's name. Like people loved him. And then, yeah, for him to call me and kind of it, was really neat for him. I thought to be vulnerable with me because I'm not even sure anybody in our family knew Mm -hmm. much less now that he was. And so I really appreciated that. And then of course him being so supportive that he was like, yeah, you're going and I'm paying for it. (laughs) Oh, wow. That was, that is so cool to know that um, someone from a generation where we just don't expect that sort of thing to you know, be a part of their lives, that it was not only so important in his life, but it was also he saw how recognized how important it was and saw that it's something that could benefit you as well and and made it to where you could go and it not affect you financially too. Wow, what a what a great thing he he did for you. And I and I can see that you are so appreciative of that and and it is that's that's incredible like i don't know of an 80 year old man that would talk like that or have this understanding of what therapy actually is because that's uh it's just so far and what a great legacy he was able to kind of leave with you that's that's incredible yeah no i totally agree and i think it's been kind of a ripple effect too because mm. when he got with me like that and then empowered me to to you know kind of start my mental health journey then that kind of helped me a little bit break down that stigma kind of surrounding like oh they're not the type of person that would be in therapy you know that I feel like we put on a lot of people mm-hmm. and then it all toward me going forward that you know I talk about being in therapy all the time because when he did it it made me feel a lot better about going and I hope sure. that I I actually recommend my therapist to everybody I know because I love him. He's another old man and <laughs> he was friends with my grandpa. And so I love him to death. And um, yeah, I, I talk, I tell everybody that, you know, not only is it necessary, I think for a lot of people in a lot of situations, but it's also, I think if you, if you really make it a point for it to be, I think it can be a lot of fun and a lot of relief and, you know, of course, a lot of the things we talk about in therapy aren't fun, but right. the result is so freeing a lot of times that it can be totally worth it. So is this somebody that you go sit down in, in his office and, and you do it all in person? So he actually, we started during COVID and he has an office 15 miles from where I live, but I've actually never met this man. And I kind of, I kind of like that because I feel like he and I've built like a friendship, you know, like a, like a doctor patient friendship. I trust him with everything. And at the same time, I've never met him. So it's kind of like, I can tell you anything because like, 
<laughs> we don't have that real in-person connection. Sure. So. I think that's very valuable. Yeah. And that's not even something I really considered is it, it's purely, this is what your relationship is built on. You know, I, when the first time I ever did therapy was with somebody I actually went to church with, you know, and saw on a regular basis that I wouldn't recommend that. Not because he wasn't good. I think he was really good at what he was doing. But I I think for me, I was incredibly guarded. I, mm -hmm. I wasn't, and I have a hard time in therapy being honest anyway. I have a hard time like really saying what's really going on. I mean, I just, it's just something I struggle with. So um, to that just added layer uh, whenever you do know someone and interact with them outside of your sessions. But no, when you, when you take that away, I feel like that there's, I mean, it's their job to be impartial, right? But you, it's, it's also your job to allow them to be impartial and do tell them everything. And that's, that's, that's not very easy. So I can see how, and for me, I, I use a telehealth only therapist and it, it helps so much to just kind of have that impartial person just sit there and talk to and, and, and work things out with. Yeah. I also think it kind of takes away a lot of the excuses, you know, like, oh, I don't have time or, mm, um, you mm -hmm. know, I've heard presenting to like rural, uh, rural Americans or farmers and ranchers about it is like, oh, well, if they see my pickup truck in the drive, they're going right. to know I'm there. You don't have those excuses anymore. And right. so, and lift all of that, um, you know, those fears. And then, um, on top of that, like, I love that I can literally go to therapy from my couch, like in my PJs, whatever. And so I'm in a place where I feel completely comfortable and I can be completely vulnerable. And, uh, so yeah, it's just, I really, really do love that the whole telehealth thing is kind of becoming as prevalent as it is, because I think in so many ways, but particularly mental health, it's, it's going to make some pretty big strides. Yeah, I going back to the how how accessible it is. I mean, I'll be I remember one time I was at a Kansas Beef Council event and I scheduled a therapy call for the ride home. You know, it's a it was a four and a half hour drive. And I remember talking to him pretty much all the way through Kansas City. And uh that was very freeing, you know, and very like it just it was just an incredible thing to be able to because like you say, there's really no excuse anymore. I mean, I was one where it was very hard and very, it was hard for me to just go and sit in a, in, sit on somebody's couch and talk to them. And I don't know, it just, it never felt right. But whenever you can be somewhere where you're, where you're comfortable yourself, it allows so much more to come out. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I also think, you know, you said that about scheduling the call with your therapist. I think that something I've learned and it's been kind of hard for me because I don't want to be this person, but at the same time, I think it's supposed to be like this. Therapy is the only place where I think it's 100% okay to be completely self-serving. And so going into this and like building a relationship with your therapist in a way that like you can, you know, some of them take texts or calls any time of the day or you know, schedule an appointment or whatever on your timeline, whenever you feel like you need it. And, you know, just talk about yourself the whole time. And mm -hmm. I think that that 
I think that's something that I had to learn, you know, because again, I'm a people person. So like, I wanted to know a little bit about my therapist. Like, are we friends? Do we need to talk about your wife and kids? Like what's going on here? But yeah, so no, it was, I think, I think that was a learning experience. But again, I think that's a way where we can truly invest and be super vulnerable and have it pay off in the end. Yeah. And, and it is, I mean, it is a, it is somewhere where it does get to be about you and that can be, and I think that's honestly where I had the struggle with, right. Is, is it just totally being all the way about me? And that really made me uncomfortable sometimes. But once you get past that, I understand that like, that's really the only way that it serves you, then it's, it's game on from there. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So one thing I wanted to talk about too, and this is shifting just a little bit is the kind of connection. And I'm not sure that you ever really introduced this or it was just from mutual friends, but the ability that I had to go form a relationship with Missouri State University Cattlemen's Club. Uh, I got to speak there last spring and met so many people who we know both in common and man, it was such a cool thing to do. And that's such a cool facility down there. And I, you know, you never think for me, I never thought of Missouri state as that kind of school. Right. I mean, every, anything to do with ag, I thought either a Mizzou or B like Northwest Missouri, but any of the other schools in Missouri, I never thought much about ag, but there's a really good thing going on down there uh, in Springfield. Yeah. Missouri State University, specifically the College of Agriculture, I consider one of my biggest blessings, probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. And yeah, I was so glad that you got to go down there. That whole safety, farm safety day, I think is what they call it down there. Um, I got involved in that when I was there. I was there from 16 to 19. And we were discussing different topics that we wanted to present to these students coming to this farm safety day. And there are so many good ones you can talk about when it comes to farm safety, you know, like safe equipment, you know, needles and medication and weather and fire and all of the things that you have to consider. And we were looking for one more. And I was actually the one who asked if we could present on mental health. And mm -hmm. they said, yeah, got it. And I said, excuse me, that's <laughs> I was just saying somebody should talk about mental yeah. health. It, um, it was such a, felt like a really big responsibility because it's such a big topic, but it was something I was so passionate about that I was more than happy to do it. And that was also a really big learning experience because I think the stigma surrounding mental health start so young. And I would always start these presentations with, because of course I did them for two or three years and now thankfully you're getting to do them. Mm -hmm. I think everybody needs to hear what you have to say. So glad to, glad to hear that you're down there, but I would always start my presentations with like, okay, think of some incident where you like had this gnarly injury or like you were on the farm or you were playing sports or whatever that could be and tell me about it. And so, you know, somebody had always rolled the four wheeler or, you know, broken a bone playing football or whatever that was. And I'd say, okay, and what'd you do then? And they said, well, they called the ambulance and they took me to the hospital. And, and I said, oh, and then the, you know, like what they do at the hospital? Well, you know, they, they did x-rays and they put me in a cast and they gave me some pain pills and whatever it was. And I said, okay, so then why, if you were struggling mentally, would you not just go to the doctor? And 
I had, I literally had one kid one time yell from the back. He said, cause I'm not weak. And I was like, this is why we're here. This mm. is why we're as mm. you know, these kids I think are in middle school and they're already being taught that having very normal human emotions and feelings and struggles mean mm. means you're weak. And so um, I think that's a really important conversation to have. I think Missouri state I am super appreciative that they're carrying that on. I'm so glad that you got to have those conversations and yeah, Missouri state college. We're actually the second, I believe college of ag prior to us becoming a college of ag, my sophomore year of college. So very recently Mizzou was the only one in the state. So yeah, Missouri state university has something special going on. For yeah. Sure. And it's, it is. And, you know, and I think, you know, it's, uh, it's focus on like livestock too is something that I think is very interesting in the fact that you know a lot of times Mizzou gets lumped in with a lot of row crop type stuff I mean there's animal science there too but for, to, for me and being where Missouri State is in Springfield some of the counties that surround surround Springfield are some of the most biggest cow-calf producing states or counties in the in the entire country i think that's i think that's a people don't really realize that in fact joplin regional uh, stockyards which is you know 70 miles from there is uh, one of the premier sale barns in the entire country so uh, i think i don't think people really realize how how much cattle production really goes on in that part of the you know just that little corner of the country down there and uh, what a great place and having a college of agriculture right there in the back door is so cool. And I, I, I really didn't, again, comprehend how cool it was until I got to go down there and see it. And the night I was there, there was a, there was like a bluegrass band from a, uh, from like a cowboy church down the road. And I thought, and I told him, I thought, where else, like where, what other college in, in a in the united states would have something like this at one of their meetings like i just thought it was so cool and felt so comfortable there and i could see why somebody would want to go there to school yeah i was initially drawn there because of the people actually there's a couple that i met in high school and i lived you know really close to mizzou and i knew i wanted to study kind of assumed and then it was one of those things where they were like no come on down like um actually the the guy's name was Ben. He was a student ambassador when I was a high schooler. And he's like, Hey, come down. I'll take you and your mom and your sister on a tour. And like, I'll set you up. He set me up meetings with all the professors I would have. And I just hung out there all day long. And it was immediately like family. And, you know, I had the professors walking me through my majors. In fact, there's one, her name's Sudbrock. And I was I had all intentions of going in as an ag business student. She's the ag business advisor. I sat down with her. She said, you know, you kind of sound like a communicator. So I added the communications uh, major as well, graduated with two majors or two degrees and a minor in Spanish. And it was one of those things where I didn't even know that was an option until she like took the time to learn about me and tell me that, you know, that was also an opportunity. And, and there are so many people that I could name. Carl's is the ag building on the main campus. And we call it Carl's High because every single professor knows every single student and they know about your life. They're invested. They want to see you succeed. And that's just the most valuable. And then, yeah, the ag campus is just a couple miles from the main campus, but it's still in town and mm. they have campuses. And it's so neat because it's so cool. You know, 
hockey's don't get to see stuff like that every day, but people in Springfield do. And I love that about it. And I love the resources. Like you said, just in Southwest Missouri, the cattlemen's groups are phenomenal. There's a sale barn in every direction. If you drive 20 miles, the town is surrounded by, I mean, you almost can't get into Springfield without driving through cattle country and right. really unique opportunity. And then Jernigan Ranch, of course, down in Mount Grove, I believe is the largest, maybe the largest registered Herford herd in the country. And yeah, that's Missouri State University. Yeah, so yeah. the research farms that we have scattered all over Southwest Missouri. So yeah, no, it's an incredible place. Would highly recommend it. <laughs> Little plug to Missouri State. Yeah, big, big fan. Well, Macy, I appreciate you coming on the podcast again tonight, being so vulnerable, sharing your story. And 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 I wanted to say something here that I wanted to say from the very beginning is no, there's no like right to be a mental health advocate. There's room for everybody, but I, I'm proud of you for recognizing what has happened and taking the journey, doing the work yourself, and then talking so freely about it. That is that is very admirable. And I, I appreciate you doing that. Thank you very much. And yeah, no, I definitely didn't mean to make it sound like that, but I do understand, like, again, when I was in this situation, uh, I felt all the things that I had been talking like I knew about for years. No, it's and- it's real, though. I, I get I, I come from I said that from a very personal standpoint, because I felt I sometimes would feel the same way. Uh, but it, it's it's absolutely real. Yeah. And I think, I think we've both kind of talked about imposter syndrome, you know, Mm, where mm -hmm. qualified to talk about this. And that's kind of where I go back to, to like what I find my identity in. And that's how I most closely tie probably my, my faith with my mental health is again, making sure that I find my identity in God, because that's the only constant in life, the only certain, the only sure thing. And if I believe, you know, that I am a work of a work of his, then I know that I'm, I'm capable and I'm here for a reason. And, you know, I'm, I'm here to do his will. And if that's to, to tell my story, if that's mental health, if that's agriculture, whatever that is, then I'm here for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Where can people find you online? So on Instagram, I'm just at Macy underscore Hurst, M-A-C-E-Y underscore H-U-R-S-T. I think. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then lady livestock company or lady livestock co on Instagram is, um, is my business with mom and Emma. So, um, yeah, I would love to connect. I'm on Facebook and Twitter too, but Instagram is kind of where I find my community. So would absolutely love to connect and happy to talk about this um, a little deeper or, um, answer questions if anybody wants to connect, but yeah, Jason, thank you first of all for having me, but also for what you do every day. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You were very early on and you've connected me with some great people over this. So I appreciate all you've done to kind of help this along. Of course. Thanks again, Macy. For more than three decades, U.S. farmers, largely organic, have increased yield with the help of SP1 Classic. As fertilizer costs soar and supply chain challenges loom, DPH Biologicals is expanding access to this trusted biofertilizer to the conventional acre. With TerraTrobe SP1 Classic, the complete biofertilizer, growers can replace up to 50% of starter fertilizer. Visit dphbio.com to reclaim soil fertility. 
Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week. Thank you.